We are starting a new series today, and it's all about 168. 168. It's a powerful number. Some of you are pretty good. You already know what 168 means. We're familiar with numbers like 247, 365. But this is a number that just restarted today. And we just ended the last 168 yesterday. Anybody figured out what 168 means yet? Number of hours in a week. 168. It's a powerful number because we do a lot with that or maybe not enough with that. 168. We spend, uh, I don't know how many sleeping. Some of you are accountants, you're engineers, you know this stuff before I do. We didn't do a lot of numbers in Bible college, please forgive me, but uh, bear with me. So we spend some time sleeping, a good amount of that sleeping, and working. That's probably, between those two things, that's a good chunk of that, right? We spend some time eating. You know, it's amazing to me how much time is involved in the whole eating process. And, and sometimes you'll hear the term around Christian circles, the idea of fasting. And the idea there, right, is, is the, you would fast from, say, food. That's kind of a, a big biblical fast. And you would, you'd forego food. And the time that you would take normally to prepare food and that sort of thing, you spent in prayer. In fact, we're, we're entering this next week is going to be a season of uh, fasting for a lot of people. We enter a, into a season, at least in the church calendar, we call Lent. And it's the 40 days leading up to Easter. And if that's something you've never done before, I encourage you to do something like that. Maybe you, you fast a day during that time because you've never done it. Or you fast maybe a few days or, or maybe you forego certain things. But, but the time that we take on those things in a week is interesting. When you start thinking about all the hours we spend sleeping. And some, I hope some of you spend some of that 168 praying. You pray and spend some time with the Lord. I would hope that many of you in this room who are followers of Christ, you'd spend a little time with the Lord for that 168. And some of us, you know, we're going to, you know, go hiking. We're going to exercise some of that time. I mean, just think about your week this last week, all the different things that you spent your 168 on, you know. Now, just pause for a second. Are you, are you happy about some of those hours? Do you wish that maybe some of that 168 you could redeem, buy back? Fortunately, as you know, We've reset the 168 today. So maybe you have some regret from your previous 168, and this time you're going to maybe make some different decisions. And, and I hope that every time we meet on Sundays and we talk about Jesus and we look to the cross and we think about what our life needs to be with, with Jesus in our lives, I would hope that every time we gather, we'd be thinking about what the next 168 is looking like for us. Now, for many of us, and I, I realize that not, we can't be in a church gathering every weekend, but at least a few of those hours, like even right now, we're spending one of those 168 right here in a church worship gathering. And so here's the big question we're going to try to answer today. Is one hour enough? Is one hour of spiritual nourishment, is one hour focusing on Jesus, is one hour even praying and singing together enough? Is that the sort of lifestyle that Jesus is calling us to? Just one little measly hour in 168 is 99% of our time intended to be outside of church life 
And my answer, and I hope your answer is no. I hope that's the answer, that there's more hours that we want to give time to the Lord. Look, I get it. Most of our time is spent outside of the gathering. Look, we say around here, try to, well, we have two services now, which is nice, so you could attend one and serve at one. And that's, that's a great thing. That way you feel like you're, you get the whole package, right? But even then, so maybe that's two, maybe three hours for some of us. Even with three hours, that's still, what, 97% of our 168 is still outside the gathering. It's still outside of our church services. It's outside of what we're doing even right here in this room, right? So 97% of our time is not occupied by church life. Or, or is it? Are, are we just here for those two, three hours and then we take off and go into our world and the church stays here? I think you see where I'm getting at some of this. You see, the church is us. Christ followers meeting together, a community of people, and we take Jesus wherever we go. Right? So it's not just, we can't look at it like that, that one hour out of our 168 or three hours out of the 168. We are 168ers here following Jesus. That's going to be my point today. So if you fall asleep after this, that you caught the point, okay? But don't fall asleep because I'll just talk louder. You don't want that. Well, we're going to talk about worship and prayer being something that's an everyday thing for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're 168 all the way. And I realize we have ups and downs in our week. And it's not saying that you need to be perfect, all 168, because I'm not. I had a pretty rough day Friday, and I really had to work with the Lord on my attitude. I'll tell some of you that story later. But it's not like we're aiming for perfection. We're aiming for those choices every day of putting Jesus at the top of our priority list. Whether we're at work or we're at grocery outlet, (laughs) we have a new grocery outlet, or wherever we're at, right, wherever it is, we take Jesus with us. The church is us and we take him with us. We're starting this series that we're calling Welcome to DC. And the whole point of this series is taking every one of the values that we have as a church family, all based on the life and work of Jesus, we have values that drive our ministry. And so there's six of them. If you've ever kind of seen our website or you see some of the brochures we have, we have some values that drive what we do every week, how we plan ministry. Because you think about it, we all have values, whether you write them down or not. And values are, tend to be things that might be on a board at a company. They might be on a poster or something. We value, you know, customer service. We value this. We all, regardless of whether we're a company or not, we have values. And we make decisions based on those values. Again, whether it's conscious or not, whether we write them down or not, we make decisions based on values. So as a church family, for the next several weekends leading up to basically Palm Sunday, We're going to be talking about those six main areas of values that have driven our church family from day one. And these are going to be powerful, and I'm really glad you're here. This is really going to be a a situation where you can help shape our behaviors based on the values that drive us. And so today we're going to start with value number one, which is everyday worship and prayer. Let's uh, let's pause and pray and, and move forward. Father, we come before you, and we just ask that you'd help us to embrace this idea that every hour is your hour that every hour we get to to put Jesus first in our lives. And Lord, that should affect everything. And so Lord, help us embrace that life and, and realize that you're empowering it all. 
by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I do love movies. And there's a movie that came out in the 90s. It's probably one of the most awkward movies to watch. It's just hard to watch. And mainly because the main character, the main actor, is just an awkward actor. This guy, Ben Stiller, always strikes me as just that awkward guy. And there was this movie called Meet the Parents. And in this movie, uh, Ben Stiller's character is getting married to this gal. Some of you have seen that movie. You know what I'm talking about. And I guess, you know, he's, he's Jewish, which is kind of a thing throughout the film. But at one point, I think the, like the, I guess the Christian dad played by Robert De Niro, I don't know, he, he, he uh, asks our friend Ben Stiller's character to pray. And again, Ben Stiller's character apparently grew up Jewish. So there might be uh, maybe a difficulty, I don't know, having this family prayer over the meal. And so Ben Stiller, of course, his character, he's trying to put up a good face. And so he's like, I can handle this. No problem. I, I pray all the time. Well, he's totally lying probably, but he's just saying, I pray all the time. And so they bow their heads to pray. And here is what Ben prays. Day by day, day by day, oh dear Lord, Three things I pray to see thee more clearly. Come on. To love thee more dearly. Follow thee more nearly day by day. Okay, I hashed that, right? But that's the prayer that he prays. Does anybody know what that's from? It's from like Godspell, I think, from the 70s or something like that. But that's all he could come up with. But it's interesting, right? We, we have these moments where we even think about the things that we do every day with prayer. Even We pray over meals and things like this. And, and obviously his character didn't know what words to say, but I don't know that the words are all that important. But the idea is you're going and you're saying, God, thank you for whatever this is. Thank you for this meal. But we know prayer a little bit. I mean, we know that naturally we reach out to God when we're in a bad spot. Some of you are in a bad spot right now, and you've been praying to God. Maybe you've prayed more than you ever have. Whether it's, again, maybe that transition you're going through. We've been talking about the last several weeks, a change. Maybe you're looking for work. Maybe you're wanting a different job. Maybe you want to not work. I'm not sure where your situation is. But you're in a difficult spot, and we naturally go to our, our, our prayer. There's this, this moment when we're in difficult situations, we naturally go to prayer. But what we don't think about is that you and I, Worship every day. Worship meaning what we put most of our time and our efforts and our resources toward. We all worship someone or something every day. And there's some gut checks we could take, like, okay, in our 168, how much time went here? How much time went. If you were just to do that, what would it look like as the number one priority in your life? What would it look like? I'm not asking you to reveal that. I'm just saying, you think about this, it starts to hit home. Worship is whatever we put most worth towards. It's whatever we want to invest our time, resources, the thing that's most important. And obviously, if you're following Jesus, he would like us to put him first in all the 168 that we deal with every week. He would like him to be in the top spot. But when you think about your week this last week, would it look like he's in the top spot? I'm not trying to step on toes. I'm just trying to put it out there. I'm trying to get the, the uncomfortableness in the room really going here. Where are we at? How much 
have we given him priority? Is it day by day? See, we worship someone or something all the time. And worship doesn't require a special space like maybe this, a special place on a hill. It doesn't require a location. Geography is not the boundary that we can worship wherever we're at. And God wants us to be the focus of his worship. Not just here, but at work on Monday, in the car on Tuesday, at the gym on Wednesday, in the grocery store on Thursday, at the movies on Friday. That we don't just, we don't leave God here. He, we, we carry him with us. And he would like to be the object of our worship, the top thing that we worship with our, our attitudes, our actions, our, 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 our everything, our posture is to him as our king and God. And that is the focus of our worship or ought to be. We should be putting God, numero uno, whatever, every single day, all of our one, six, eight. What we do and when we serve and we give and we honor him Monday through Saturday and Sunday not just one day a week. And see, that's a value that we've had from the beginning at our church, really trying to help everybody understand that following Jesus is way more than one hour in the 168. It actually involves all the other 167. We want all of those hours to be given to him in glory. If you have a Bible with you, uh, and I'm gonna actually do a, a kind of a, a quick 30-second summary of this entire thing, um, but you got to start with me. So let's get to Genesis. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, I think, is where we, yeah, or Genesis 3, actually. Genesis 3, starting with verse 8. And, uh, and this is coming at a very crucial point in humanity. Like, what's going to happen after these verses is cataclysmic that only Jesus could fix. But here we are right on the cusp of it. We're, like, we're standing right on the edge of the cliff. Right before it happens, we hear a truth that I think is important for us. Here's the truth, starting with verse, verse 8 here. Uh, oh, I've got to be in the right. There we go. Genesis chapter 3. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who, who told you that you were naked? Now, I realize that, again, Right after this, humanity spins way out of control. In fact, the rest of the Bible is trying to fix that craziness, and God steps in with Jesus and finally fixes it. But it goes for years after this of man messing up over and over, and then we create this nation, and they mess up over and over and over again. The story of Scripture is the brokenness of humanity that's saved by one, Jesus Christ, who had to come at the right time while we were stuck in our sin from this verse that comes next all the way through the Bible, Jesus fixes that. But I want you to at least see what this reality of walking with God was. Can you just pause for a second? What was that like to be hanging out? I like to hike. Can you imagine just hiking in the Valley of the Giants here? These huge 
trees that we have right in our own community. We go walking through the forest and God is just interacting with humanity in this one-on-one. They're connecting. They're having conversations. You can hear his voice. You can walk with him. Isn't that an amazing thing to even think about? I can't get, really get my mind around it completely. That we'd have this relationship, this, this unbroken relationship until, of course, sin happened and things went haywire, that stopped, we're kicked out of that fellowship, sin has separated us from God, and again, there ensues the entire story of the Bible until Jesus comes on the scene. And what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do with that brokenness? In one sense, well, a big sense, he restores that brokenness. He restores connection. The scriptures talk about him being the reconciler. He reconciled the differences. And in the new covenant in Jesus' blood, we now have a restoration of what was broken in Genesis 3. And that means a new reality and a new humanity, a new way to be human, that we can walk with God both here and the not yet. And Jesus, when he came on the scene, he started talking about the kingdom is here. The reality is here. You can be on the team. You can be with Jesus and learn the ways of the kingdom now and not yet. Now we begin walking with generosity, love. We actually walk with the Lord, the very thing that was broken in Genesis 3. And so we get this daily opportunity to walk with the Lord. You see, Christ reversed the effects of what happened at the fall. Through his life, death, burial, resurrection, we get a chance to have that new reality reconciled with God, a daily privilege to follow Jesus. So because of that reality, as a church family, we wanna, we wanna grab back those extra one, six, seven hours and put them back in Jesus's court. That when we walk every day, whether that be at work or in conflict or at home, we are with Jesus 168 all those hours. You see, Jesus made it his custom. And we find that, that, that phrase a few times in the Bible. In the New Testament, in talking about Jesus' life, he had customs. He had things that he did. And we get just glimpses of them in the New Testament documents. Some of the writers give us just a little bit of glimpse of some of his practices that included public and private prayer. It included him going off. It included fasting. It included, now this may seem unpopular for our modern culture, but do you realize it was his custom to be in the worship gathering with his this, with this other faithful followers every single weekend? Now, it was the synagogue then, but he was always with God's people every weekend. Luke chapter 4 says this, as was his custom. That one phrase, that was his plan. Now, I realize there are weekends, we're gone, we're traveling, all that. But there is a value that Jesus modeled for getting with God's people every week. So he modeled that, but that wasn't, that's not the end here. He walked with his father daily. And Jesus, even when he was teaching things like prayer to his, his disciples, they were trying to learn what this prayer life was, he taught them to pray in a daily manner. He said this, give us this day our daily bread. Now, you can't, he didn't say, give us tomorrow's bread. He said, give us today our daily bread. There's a sense of, even built into that prayer, there's a daily, 
I'm, I'm needing bread today, God. I'm needing, I'm needing restoration today. God, today I need your forgiveness today. There's a daily component to our calling out to God. How is your pause? How is your daily time with the Lord? Lord, today, give me this day, my daily bread. Lord, give us our daily bread. How is your time with the Lord there? Because it's a daily thing. Jesus spoke of walking in his footsteps daily. He said, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to do this very scary thing, but powerful thing. He said, take up your cross once a week for an hour on Sunday. No, he said, take up your cross daily. There's a daily component. When you wake up tomorrow, you are, you are following Jesus. You are in his camp. You're his team. You're on his family. That means you carry Jesus to the workplace everywhere you go. You are in his footsteps daily. Take up the cross. And, and the scriptures even talk about daily, the church growing in the, in the book of Acts. There was this daily sense of movement and growth. And, and I love this too. People made time in scripture to study scripture. They made time to check scripture. In fact, there was one point where I think the apostle Paul is teaching somewhere and the people were studying the scriptures to see if what he was saying was right on the money. There's a sense of spending time in scripture. Jesus quoted scripture all over the place. The early church sang songs of, 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 of dedication and prayer that come right from the book of the Psalms. These things were on their lips. So let me just pause for a second. The next time you're going through something or you're having something difficult happen, is the first thing that comes to your mind a scripture. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. No temptation is overtaking me, which is not common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let me be tempted beyond what I can, what I can handle. And when I am tempted, he's going to provide escape. That's 1 Corinthians 10.13. When you're tempted or you're struggling, is scripture the first thing that comes to your mind? You know, Jesus spent, we talked about fasting just a minute ago. One of the first things Jesus does in his ministry, what a great way to start off. <laughs> Basically, he gets carted off to the wilderness and, uh, and he's tempted pretty heavy for 40 days without any food. And you know what, what happened in that process when he was tempted? He always came back with scripture. Jesus himself modeled that we need to have this in our hearts and our minds. And the thing is, you have it right there on your device. Like we have no excuse anymore. It's like right there. You can have this thing, the smartphone can, can feed you a verse. So yeah, maybe back in the day, back, back when I was a kid, I had to carry this thing around. I still carry this thing around, but you have it on your smartphone. So we have access to the best advice in the world, but we don't have time for it. We have time for it. You make time for what's valuable. Jesus modeled this daily component that people will search the scriptures daily. Do you see what I'm saying? We're a 168 follower of Christ. We're not a one hour, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am deal. And so this operates every moment of your life. It was modeled for us by Jesus you see, you hear people, I think, talk about Christians or even Christians themselves will say this to each other. Well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. Have you ever thought about that phrase? As if somehow this being in this building is, is now it's important and it's powerful, but the church is us. 
But I think common convention and the way people have spoken about church for many, probably hundreds of years, when you say church, people think automatically likely a building with a cross on it, right? That's typically what people think of church. And so I get the confusion. People are like, why do you bother getting up on a Sunday morning? Why do you bother giving your time? You know, why are you still doing this whole, you know, religion thing? Isn't that kind of in the past? Isn't that ancient? It doesn't really help you now. You know, we have technology. We don't need, you know, God or anything. We've got medicine. This is what the conversation and culture is doing around the idea of church. You know, as if you're just part of this religious group to mark it off on a survey the next time the census comes around. That isn't what Jesus had in mind. That we are a group of followers, Christ followers, taking our faith into the world. This is supposed to be a rally point where we kind of help each other, hug each other, slap on the back, hey, good job, I'm struggling, I'm gonna pray for you. This is the moment where we gather and we encourage each other to continue the good work of Jesus in our world. We're 168ers, folks. Church isn't an event. It's not a building. Just in case you still kind of held on to that. I get people saying, I'm going to go to the church building. I know it's for convention. But look, we are the church. The church is the gathered people, the called out ones, the ones who are following Jesus. That's who, who we are. That happens every day. Anywhere we are, we take Jesus with us. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, but that is literally true. It's also kind of a responsibility if you think about it. Like if, if Jesus went with you to work this week, how would that go? I mean, some of you are like, I'm oh, fine. Because some of you are like retired. <laughs> so you're like, it's all good. Sure, you can go to work with me. No, what I mean is if he was with you, yes, okay, you can be retired. But if he's with you, does, does that change anything for you? Like if you literally, if he was literally with you, and he is, but like physically, so because it's a right, like if he was physically there, you keep bumping into him. Sorry about that, Jesus. If he was with you, would your, would your day be different? I told you I had a bad day Friday. I really had to wrestle with this. At some point, I realized I'm going to stop being frustrated. And I'm just going to realize, you know, if Jesus were here with me, you know, he'd be like, take a chill pill. It's, well, I don't know if he'd say that, but he'd say it in his own special Jesus sort of way. But basically, he said, take it easy. I got this. This is not the end of the world. If Jesus was with you, how would we live? Because he is. The, the scriptures tell us he's not far from, he's with us. And, and, and I love how when Jesus was confronted about place of worship, at least in this one case that we have recorded in scripture, there was this moment where Jesus has this conversation with this gal and, uh, and she's kind of a different Jewish sect that, you know, the, the, it's a long story, there's backstory to this, but he basically speaks to this woman and she starts talking about where God is supposed to be worshiped. All right, I'm skipping ahead. Some of you know the story. It's in John 4. You can check me on that. That'll be a good homework for you. But he has this confrontation and this woman, I think she's trying to change the subject, honestly. Anyway, so they're having this conversation. She's talking with Jesus. He can see directly into, his, into her heart. And so he's asking questions that are kind of making her uncomfortable. So she kind of takes this moment where she's gonna change the subject and say, well, you know, you guys worship in this special place and we worship over here. Anyway, so she's trying to, you know, change the subject. And here's what he says, you know, the hour is coming, gal. <laughs> the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. 
The scriptures say God does not live in temples made by human hands. He is with us. When you're baptized, the scriptures say that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Now, think about that for a second. We actually have the Holy Spirit working in us wherever we are. And I've seen this happen. I have seen people who follow Jesus change the whole temperature of a room. Maybe you've experienced that. No, I'm not talking about how, oh, here's a Christian, so we better stop cussing. Although that's happened. Has it ever happened to you? Like, oh, here comes the Jesus freak. Have you ever, that ever happened? Okay. Maybe it's just me because I'm the, whatever. Anyway, I try to withhold saying what I do for a living because sometimes I feel like it changes the conversation, right? It changes, well, you're the pastor, so I'm going to stop being honest. I don't know. That's weird. But anyway, I've been places where I've seen the Holy Spirit change the temperature of a room by the people in it. And they don't sometimes even have to say a word. And it's weird how, have you ever noticed when you just, you just, you sense that someone is a, is a follower of Jesus? Have you ever had that happen in a conversation where you don't know somebody, but you pick up, you pick up a scent? Now, I'm not trying to be weird, okay? But there's a sense of, the, I think the Holy Spirit is working inside of us. We gotta realize that. We have the ultimate power source flowing through our veins in Christ. Jesus said, if you wanna move mountains, ask. What? We have the Holy Spirit working inside of us. And so we gotta realize that we take the Holy Spirit with us because God is worshiped everywhere, not just in this place. I certainly hope we worship him in this place or else I'm out of here. We worship him in this place, but we worship him 168, everywhere we go. When you and I decide to follow Jesus, we respond to him through obedience. We're brought into the family of God. We are now operating in a new way. And that means 168, we're following Jesus. We are the called out ones, meaning yes here and yes out there. Probably more lived out there than lived just in this room. We are 168ers. And here's, here's the only point I want to make today. And if it helps you to remember that goofy song that I sang earlier, God be with you. But <laughs> you may not want to not. Anyway, but here's the point. Day by day, all right? We'll use that phrase. Well, I'll steal it. Day by day, I will worship and pray. Day by day, I will worship. That's it. That's it. If you're a follower of Christ and you want to be part of this church family, this is what we do. This is a big value for us. You don't just worship Jesus one hour and it's all gone. And you just walk away and you forget that. Jesus comes with you. Again, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about intention. Jesus follows us. I heard someone say the other day on a podcast, uh, it's not about intensity. It's about intentionality. Every day, worship and prayer, because we all worship something or someone. It needs to be Jesus. He's calling us to worship him through our prayer and our daily walk. And that means in our public and private life, that means in our community, and we worship him. Worship means to fall before the king. Every day when we get up, we fall before the king. Worship happens anywhere and everywhere. If you've never heard that, I hope today is, a, is, a, is not only a comfort, but a challenge and an exciting opportunity to take Jesus wherever you go. Worship happens anywhere and everywhere. So how can you do that? Here's some practical stuff. If you're taking notes, these might be helpful. These are things that have helped me. You make intentional time. These things just don't happen. Spend time with the Lord. Most of the spiritual leaders that I've ever read throughout history, they tend to use their time in the morning. 
that's the pattern I've seen, but it doesn't have to be that way. All of us are wired differently with our rhythms of life. I read another book the other day called The Power of Wind, and the guy was talking about how we have circadian rhythms in us that are kind of pre-built into us that, you know, there are certain times of the day that we're more sharp and when we can do analytical work. I don't know all the science behind it, but whatever your rhythm is, spend time intentionally with the Lord. And you can even, look, here's the bonus tip. You can put it on your phone. It can beep you. I have my alarm going off at 623 in the morning. You know why? Dallas, the phone number is 623. You know what that reminds me to do? Pray for Dallas. Pray for the city. Pray for people here that are lost. There are a lot of people that are lost. If every church in this town was filled, we still wouldn't be reaching 10% of this town. That's what I believe. But 623 helps me remember. You can do that on your phone. That's your bonus tip of the day. So make intentional time. I mean, do it today. Like... Don't just say, oh, that's a good idea, man. I'm going to write that down and think, I'm going to pray about that idea. No, don't pray about it. We already know what we need to do. We need to spend time with the Lord. So put it on your calendar today, right? I don't see smartphones out, but you know what I'm saying. Okay, that's first one. Second one is this, practice thankfulness. This is not just in the Christian world. This is true. I've read so many business books about this. The idea of your attitude matters gratitude is a, is a place to be. If you're a follower of Christ, thankfulness needs to be built into your day. Maybe you even, I've even heard somebody doing this. They put posty notes on their dashboard in their, in their car to, to thank God for whatever. You fill in the blank. You know, thank God that I'm married today. Thank God that I have a car, even though it's a piece of junk, but it's still running. Thank God. You know what I'm saying? Thankfulness. Practice thankfulness. That's a big one. Practice thankfulness. First, you spend intentional time with the Lord. Next, in, in, you're, you're spending time in thankfulness. And here's the last thing. Like Jesus did, these gatherings help. I'm telling you, they help. I don't know what God does when we all gather like this, but when followers of Christ are in the same room, the Holy Spirit puts us on the same wavelength and God does big things. Don't forsake the gathering. Hebrews 10 talks about this. Jesus made it his practice as much as you can be here because this is where eyeball to eyeball happens. There's a handshake, there's a hug, there's an encouragement, there's a prayer. This matters. This matters. So make it your, your aim to make a, this a regular part of your life. If you have a family, bring them. If you're a dad, bring them. It starts with you, really. Dad, you be here. Don't make mom take, take the kids here by themselves. You be the lead. You get them here because it matters. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you that you love us so much, so much more than we could possibly imagine. And you allow us to spend time with you every day. Through Christ, we've been reconciled. So Lord, for every Christ follower in this room, I pray your presence over, the, over this whole gathering that, that you would speak to hearts about every day being part of, of every hour, of all the 168. So Lord, help us to be 168 Christians who love you every moment and worship you here in this building, but even so much more outside this place. And Lord, help us to take the love and faithfulness and the goodness of Jesus to the world. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.